back to our website and you can learn more about each of those people, men and women, and uh, how God's done a good work in their lives and uh, encouraging us to follow the Lord Jesus Christ a lot more closely. So we welcome Monty and Jenny Hanks, and we're so thankful for them. What a tremendous uh, ministry they've had through the years. Um, God has used them. David and Goliath. David is victorious over Goliath, 
and David's friendship with Saul's son Jonathan begins. But also with that begins Saul's hatred and pursuit of David. You go on to Saul, 1 Samuel 19 through 30. We're not going to go through each of those ones, but suffice it to say this. Saul is pursuing David, and David is running from Saul. Saul wants to get David. And David knows that. It's so clear. He's running, running, really, for his life. In 24 and 26, David spares Saul's life a couple times. David could have taken him out. But he has great respect for the Lord's anointed, the king, the one that the Lord has put him to rule. And he doesn't do that when he could have a couple times. And some of his men get really upset about this. You could have had him. You could have taken him. You know what he's trying to do to you. But he says, that's not the way to go. I want to honor what God has given me. God has given me. In 1 Samuel 31, they're in war. And Saul Second Samuel chapter one, we read this. Excuse me. David hears of Saul and Jonathan's death, and he's very, very, very upset. Not just for Jonathan, who's become his best friend, but also for Saul too, because he has great respect for him, and he knows, he knows about this. He writes a lament. Says in verse 17 is David's lament for Saul and Jonathan. And then in chapter 2 of 2 Samuel, David's officially anointed king. He's anointed king over Judah. He rules in Hebron for Hebron, Hebron for seven years, almost seven years there. And Ishbosheth, Saul's son, is named the king of Israel. And that gets us to chapter 4. 2 Samuel chapter 4, we learn about how Mephibosheth, Mephib, becomes, as it's termed here, lame in the feet. He becomes disabled. It says in chapter 4, verse 4, Jonathan, the son of Saul, had a son who was crippled in his feet. He was five years old when the news about Saul and Jonathan came from Jezreel that they had died. And his nurse took him up and fled. As she fled in her haste, he fell and became lame, and his name was Mephibosheth. I hope that I've learned to spell it correctly. You never need to do a double thing. That's the story. That's how he becomes disabled. Lame in his feet. Crippled is another passage. One that they can't get around like he used to get around. And as a five-year-old, you can imagine that would be very, very, very on to 2 Samuel chapter 5. It says that David becomes king over Israel too. The kingdom now brought together. Judah and Israel brought together. He's king over all Israel. Chapter 6 through 8, David wins military battles. The Lord makes the Davidic covenant with him that there will always be somebody from the line of David to sit on this throne. And David appoints his officials to help in the kingdom. And that gets us to chapter 9. 2 Samuel chapter 9, where we're going to kind of center this morning. So, I'm going to read it for you. You've got it right there, too. And David said, Is there still anyone left in the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? Now there was a servant in the house of Saul whose name was Ziba, and they called him to David. And the king said to him, Are you Ziba? And he said, I am your servant. And the king said, is there not still someone of the house of Saul that I may show the kindness of God to him? Ziba said to the king, There is still a son of Jonathan who is crippled in his feet. The king said to him, Where is he? And Ziba said to the king, He is in the house of Michar, the son of Amiel, at Lodabar. The king David sent and brought him from the house of Machar, the son of Amiel, at Lodabar. And Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, son of Saul, came to David and fell on his face, and he paid homage. And David said, Mephibosheth. And he answered, Behold, I am your servant. And David said to him, Do not fear. 
show regard for a dead dog such as I. Then the king called Ziba, Saul's servant, and said to him, All that belonged to Saul and to all his house I have given to your master's grandson. And you and your sons, your servants, shall till the land for him, and you shall bring in the produce, that your master's grandson may have bread to eat. But Mephibosheth, your master's grandson, shall always be your prisoner. Now Ziba had fifteen sons and twenty servants. Then Ziba said to the king, According to all that my lord the king commands his servant, so will your servant do. So Mephibosheth ate at David's table like one of the king's sons. And when Mephibosheth had a young son, and Mephibosheth had a young son whose name was Michael, and all who lived in Ziba's house became Mephibosheth's servants. So Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem, for he ate always at the king's table. As you know, oftentimes when a new king took over, the new king would eliminate the family members of the old king and the old ruling party. So that why? So they wouldn't rise up, claim any territory, any ruling power. David chose not to do that when he found out about Mephib, who had been hiding to avoid being David was honoring the commitment that he made to his good friend Jonathan, the father of Mephibosheth, as mentioned in 2 Samuel 21.7. It's up there on the screen for you. But the king spared Mephibosheth, the son of Saul's son, Jonathan, because of the oath of the Lord that was between them, between David and Jonathan, the son of Saul. So going forward, that's what we read. But now going backwards, we read about that covenant found in 1 Samuel chapter 20, and it says this. Here's the covenant in a minute. Jonathan and David are communicating. Jonathan knows that his dad is after Saul, or Saul, his dad, is after David. He's really pursuing him, hot and heavy. And he makes his commitment to him. And Jonathan is the one who's initiating this. This is Jonathan talking. If I'm still alive, Show me the steadfast love of the Lord, that I may not die. And do not cut off your steadfast love from my house forever, when the Lord cuts off every one of the enemies of David from the face of the earth. Continuing on. Next slide, please. And Jonathan made a covenant with the house of David, saying, May the Lord take vengeance on David's enemies. And Jonathan made David swear again by his love for him, for he loved him. covenant between Jonathan and David, which really Jonathan initiates. And I want to make this special comment here. This is a very special friendship between Jonathan and David. I want you to know this. In other places, this has been said. This is not a same-sex romantic friendship, like some have thought that it is. It is not that at all. This is just a deep, deep friendship between two men, which is totally appropriate totally done correctly. Now, remember, as we think about what's taking place, Mephibosheth, Mephib, is five years old and he becomes lame in his feet. And we would assume that he's unable to walk or run or jump or play like others around him. It had to be very, very difficult as a five-year-old. I can only imagine. And I think this. It had to have been very, very difficult about her for a minute or her that he would drop somebody or however it happens and they become lame in their feet they can't do the things that they're doing you can imagine her pain that she would feel in her feet now we don't know the text doesn't tell us this but at this point he's going to have to have somebody help him and take care of him and we don't know if it's the same nurse who continued to take care of him but somebody had to take care of him as a five year old lame in his feet and cannot use his feet. Now, as you know, difficult and unexpected things happen to individuals. You know that, don't you? Difficult and unexpected things happen to us and happen to others. Just yesterday, I read in the Denver Post about a 
10-year-old girl with an outstanding answer who is now paralyzed from the waist down due to being injured in a car accident. Difficult and unexpected things happen in the vision. How difficult it must be for her and for her parents and for anyone to suddenly not be able to use a portion of your mind or your body. One can only know the difficulty if one experiences it. One can only know that difficulty if they experience it. And we, we can come upon and help out and understand a little bit, but we can't understand the depth of it unless we would experience it ourselves. There are mental, physical, illness, disabilities, and they can result in genetics, aging, unintended accidents, even foolish acts. Some disabilities are seen, and some are not. In golf, the USGA, I'm a golfer, so oftentimes illustrations come from there. The USGA, the United States Golf Association, kind of the ruling body of part of our golf world, they started a new thing called the Adaptive Open for people with disabilities. And I looked it up this morning. And they have eight categories, eight divisions that they have people come. And they have a national tournament to determine, as it says, the national championship that will showcase the world's best golfers with disabilities. These are their categories. Vision, neurological, intellectual, leg, and arm impairment. That's five, the five different ones there. Vision, neurological, intellectual, leg and arm impairment. There is a seated players category, and there is a multiple limb amputee category, and there is the short stature category. Now let me really show you. I wouldn't qualify, okay, at 5'6". I mean, you know, those that, that just didn't grow. Now we also know we have like the Special Olympics, we have the Paralympics that go on nationally, even internationally. We know that the, the breadth of the disabilities that are, that are out there, the difficulties that come along with that as well. But I remind you of this. Just like we said about women, just like we said about children, those with disabilities are valuable. They spot, disabled spot, 
question about that. Are they taking advantage of the system? Now, we all have thoughts about life and people that change through the years. For example, I told myself growing up that I would never have pillboxes. I have two now. One for the morning and one for the evening time. Hmm. I also uh, never thought I'd be bald. And I'm moving more in that direction every day. Never thought that would happen. I always had a good head of hair. In fact, I can grow pretty good on my face now, but not up here. You see, life and experience and humility often soften us as we progress farther into life. As Stephen Covey reminds us in his Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, he tells us this, he says, Seek to understand before being understood. Seek to understand before being understood. We don't know the actual plight of those around us. We only see but a bit of their life from the outside. There are those who take advantage of this system. Anyone here ever taken advantage of the system? Let me give you an illustration. Remember those economic stimulus checks that came our way? I cashed mine. Did I need it? No. I kind of took advantage of the system. I'm not saying it's wrong. The fact is, I, I didn't need it. I gave them that money anyway. They're just giving it back. Maybe you're saying that, right? All, all sorts of people do. And I'm not, I'm not singling out anybody to say, I'm just saying people do that all around us. They take advantage of the system. And we probably have done the same thing when it wasn't really necessary. On Kay's office, our administrative assistant, is that sign that I quote fairly often for you. And it says this, everyone we meet is fighting a battle we know nothing about. So be kind always. Everyone, all of you, all of you here today, you're fighting some sort of battle that maybe we don't even know anything about. I might know more of your battles than anybody else here, obviously, as your pastor. But you have those battles. I have those battles, and oftentimes they are unknown. So we just need to be kind to one another. Paul put it this way in Colossians chapter 3, verse 12. Why don't you read it with me at the bottom there. Put on then as God's chosen one, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. That's us, believers, those that know Jesus Christ, to the people that are around us, no matter their situation, whether we can see their need, whether we can't see their need, he says to us, he commands us, this is how you should live, with compassionate hearts, with kindness, with meekness, with humility, and patience. That's how we're to act to all people that are around us and that God brings into his life. Now, when we talked about women and we talked about children, I used the outline. Women and children are valuable, especially those who fear the Lord. Now, I want to change that a little bit as I go into this next session. Because I know there are plenty of people who are, have disability who are fear the Lord. No question about that. But I want to turn it to, to us who fear the Lord. How can we help those who have needs in the area of disability? We're the ones who fear the Lord. We're the ones who have compassionate hearts and gentleness and kindness and patience and humility. So how can we help those around us? And serve those around us who have disabilities. I think rather than saying we feel sorry for a person, we should demonstrate the compassion 
of the Lord Jesus Christ when it's helpful for those who have lost some of their abilities. Maybe that's even a better way to describe a person with a disability. They've, they've lost the ability to do some things they used to be able to do. Now think about this. More than likely, more than likely, all of us will suffer some disabling loss before we move off the earth and into eternity. Think about that. More than likely, all of us will suffer some disabling loss before we move off the earth into eternity. Maybe we get dementia. Maybe we have an illness that comes our way and we can't do what we used to do. Some of you are at that point now. You you understand that. You you might not be labeled, get the, the, the plaque or disabled, but you can't do what you used to do. Things are different. You've lost the ability to do some things. I think all of us probably are going to suffer the loss of an ability we had throughout our life before we go into eternity. So we, we need to be somewhat prepared for this. So how can we assist those who have needs? Well, 2 Samuel chapter 9, back to the passage. I see three things that David did. The first, and David said in verse 1, chapter 9, Is there still anyone left in the house of Saul that I may show kindness for Jonathan's sake? You see, he remembers the covenant that they made. He remembers the vow that he made. The vow was made with Jonathan. I'll take care of you. Jonathan's saying to David, will you take care of us? And John and Saul, or I'll get it straight. David makes that commitment. He says to him, yes, I will take care of you. I will take care of your family so that the family line doesn't get wiped out. What kind of vow have you made to help those who have needs? You have to. You have to make something something inside you has to say, I'm willing to help those who have needs. I, I want to be a part of their life, not to see them as a poor, pitiful soul, not at all. But if there are needs, I want to help make them. And the only way we do that is by making a vow before God. Just saying, God, I just wanna I just wanna meet the needs of people that are around me. What kind of vow do you have? What kind of action do you have toward helping those? And myself, helping those who have needs. Second thing I see as I look at this is David searches for someone to assist, that he can help, and that he can bless. He looks around for how to help. And he asks about, is, is there anybody there? I, I need to help them. He hasn't forgotten his vow with the, the life of with the family of Saul, but how can I help them? I, I want to make sure that they're taken care of. And, and the, issue, the issue comes up. Mephibosheth comes up. Ziba says, yes, there is somebody. Here's somebody you can help. This is Jonathan's son, who Jonathan's so special to him. You know that Mephibosheth is special to him. And lastly, David extends kindness. So we read about it in verse 7. And David said to him, when Mephibosheth comes, he, pay, he pays homage to him. He bows down before him. He recognizes that this is an act of grace. And David says to him in verse 7, don't fear. Remember, he's, he's bowing before him. For I shall show you the kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan. And I will restore to you all the land of Saul, your father. And you shall eat at my table. As he continues paying homage, what is your servant that you should show regard for a dead dog such as I? Grace, he's just going, this is great. This is incredible. Now, I, I got to admit, Mephibosheth gets a really good deal. <laughs> he gets a really good deal. Wherever he's been, he just got moved up to first class. Because he's now with the king, and he's going to eat at his table all the time. He's going to get land back that belonged to them that had been taken. He's going to get that back. I mean, he gets a really, really good deal. Now, here's how I kind of put it. I need some ways to think. God, would 
you give us eyes to see where you where we're wrong? God, would you give us eyes to see where you where we're wrong? And I've used this illustration before. Maybe you're walking down the street and there's a set of stairs down there. And there's a guy carrying a piano on his back and he's trying to get up the stairs. Some people just walk by. I mean, they'd walk right down the stairs, wouldn't even see that he's carrying a piano on his back. They just walk by. They didn't even see it. Didn't even didn't even register it. Because they're going like this, probably. <laughs> we need to have eyes to see that. If somebody's carrying a piano up the stairs, we need to help them, or at least get somebody younger to help them. Right? <laughs> we need to have eyes to see. God, would you give me eyes to see beneath the people around me? God, would you give me ears to also maybe hear those needs, but also maybe to listen to those who have needs? Maybe they just need to talk. Maybe there's just some things that they need to be expressed. Maybe they need to be able to vent just a little bit through the things that are going on in their lives. God, would you give me ears to listen so that I can hear Father, would you give me hands so I can pray? Would you give me hands to help? The other day I was in Parkview Hospital for a couple visits. I was walking out across the street right there. And I hear this weird noise. And I saw in front of me a car was coming out of the parking garage and we're crossing the street really slow because they had a flat on the rear back tire. And they pulled up into the valet parking lot and she was just, you know, and I could have stopped and helped. But I didn't. And maybe they didn't need help. I don't know. I don't know who was driving. I didn't see the driver. But it crossed my mind that over there and help them. Just like, you know, I have things to do. I'm a pastor. I've got to get back to the church. I missed an opportunity. I'm not very good at changing tires. <laughs> but but I could at least ask if you need help, if you need to call somebody. If, you know, I missed an opportunity. God, would you give me hands to help? And Father, would you, would you give me a, a heart of gratitude? need to be thankful for the abilities we have. They are precious. God's very kind to give them and to allow them to be a part of our lives. But even if we were to lose an ability, we're still commanded to be grateful. Be thankful in all things, which in 1 Corinthians chapter 5. And I can't even be thankful sometimes for all the good things I have. Let alone if I were to lose Lastly, this, and a little bit more to go. If or when a disability comes your way, as I said, I think we're all going to have a suffering. We're going to watch. We're going to suffer the loss of something. Have the mindset to look for Jesus, to look to Jesus for the opportunity he wants to bring your way. Now, there's nothing easy about it. I recognize that. If we're to lose the ability, especially big piece of our legs or arms or the things that you deal with, Marnie and Jamie, down there on Lake Commissio, how difficult that would be. There's nothing easy about it. But there's some great examples there. And I want to spend the rest of my time talking to you about some of them. I came across a quote a couple weeks ago not knowing anything about the author, but I knew it fit the sermon. Let me go to the next slide, please. It's from Marine veteran Sergeant Johnny Joey Jones. We call him Triple J. I looked him up on Thursday as I was putting together this sermon because I wanted to know about him. And I discovered that he lost his leg and suffered severe damage to his hands and arms 
are stepping on an IED that's an improvised explosive device in Afghanistan on, and you won't believe this. Absolutely, you won't believe it. We stepped on that IED on August the 6th. Do you know what today is? Can you believe that? God gave me an illustration that fits today, exactly today. after losing my leg. I simply ask how they stay so negative with their leg. Yeah. But I'm going to get you really good. He turned a traumatic, life-changing disability into a personal mission to improve the lives of all veterans. That's just from his website. He started Mission 6-0, headed up the boot camp and it's an inspirational podcast titled, get this, Blown Away with JJJ. Mimi takes something so difficult to lose his leg. And he can use that and have, have fun with it and make a little bit of light of it. Dr. Triple J is an example of how often difficult things can bring the unexpected opportunities for life. Without Limbs is the name of his organization, but his book is Life Without Limbs. And they've heard him speak here, you've seen him. Well, you all can get around a little bit more here. <laughs> it was founded and led by Nick. Nick, despite being born without arms and legs, has become one of the world's most loved communicators. Here's his mission statement. Our mission is to cross boundaries and break down barriers to build bridges that bring people to the love and hope found in Jesus Christ. Our goal is to share the gospel with one billion more people by 2028. Now this is his secular book here. Okay. But his goal is to share Christ with one billion more people by 2028. Third. Right now I'm reading this book to Alicia at night. Called From Walking to Wheeling. How God Reconstructed One Man's Dream by J.D. Kim. J.D. was living life pretty fast and hard in the Denver area. Dad was a pastor, but he wasn't interested in that. Went back to ask him where he was living. He worked as a sushi chef. Went snowboarding the day in November or December. slowed down a lot after going so hard and fast with drugs, alcohol, everything else and spending wild money. In his unfortunate loss, he fortunately found Jesus. In his unfortunate loss, he fortunately found Jesus. Now he pastors like his dad and teaches at Denver Seminary. back of the book says this, the testimonial, this testimony invites readers to walk along with him, walk with him along the boulevard of his broken dreams as he seeks physical healing, but instead discovers spiritual healing in new God-given dreams. And here's his bio, J.D. Kim, Ph.D., University of Aberdeen, is an ordained teaching elder with the Evangelical Presbyterian Church and adjunct professor of theology and assistant director of the Doctor of Ministry Korean Studies Program at Denver Seminary. He serves as president of J.D. Kim, Kim Ministries, which is affiliated with John Wayne Brace. His life was changed through the difficulty that came his way. 
on that to Johnny and friends. <laughs> Though Monty and Jenny served with quite often. Here's from Johnny's website. You know her story if you do. Next slide will show her. Uh, diving um, the uh, Atlantic um, in Maryland, Delaware, somewhere in there. She was 17, 18 years old. Again, an incredible athlete. Loved horses. Loved a horseback ride. Hits a rock. Suffers now quadra You've seen her, maybe you've seen her pictures, her drawings, you've read in her books. In the midst of that, a new opportunity came around to make a difference. Here's what it says My life goal is to see the world's one billion people with disabilities. That is my quadriplegia, is my greatest asset because it forces me into the arms of Christ every single morning when I get up. If you truly believe in the value of life, you care about all of the weakest and most vulnerable members of society. Like women and children that we've honored in this sermon series, we recognize that individuals with disabilities are valuable. So let's look at them, at all people, as Jesus sees them. They are valuable, and they are to be respected. I'm going to ask the pod to come back up now. And I'm going to ask you to come up now and to grab the elements for the Lord's Supper so the tables are by your sections. If you would do that right now and then return to your seat and we'll share the Lord's Supper together, but just a little bit more to, to go through. There are those that are prepackaged. You pull the tab and then the bread will be there and then the cup. There are also that are double cupped right here. The bread is in the bottom and the juice is in the top. Sometimes they're a little bit hard to get apart. table's open to all who know Jesus, just so you know that. It's not closed communion. It's open for all. If somebody's around you, maybe it's difficult for them to get up. Maybe you'd ask them, could I go get the elements for you? We invite you, if you know Jesus, to participate with us. It is a privilege to be able to do that. So just hang on to them a little bit there. I want to finish out. Listen closely. Mephibosheth, Mephibosheth's name means dispeller of shame. This is something that I read in an email that came to me about a month ago. Though we may not have physical difficulties that cause us to be lame, we are all spiritually lame, unable to bring ourselves to salvation. But God, in His greatest act of grace, reached out to us and provided salvation through the death of His Son, Jesus. And here's what I read in a devotional written by somebody who teaches at Grand Canyon University in Phoenix, Arizona. It says this, When Mephibosheth came to David, he was expecting to be killed, and he fell on his face, and he paid homage to him. David responded and said, Do not fear, for I will show you kindness for the sake of your father Jonathan, and I will restore to you all the land of Saul, your father, and you shall eat at my table always. 2 Samuel 9, 7, we read that. The author says this, this story seems small and short when in reality is full of love and a reflection of God's love. David's promise to Jonathan's son is like how God's grace is to us. We are all like Mephibosheth. One, we are hiding, weak, lame, and fearful before the king comes to us. Secondly, we are separated from our king. Third, we separated ourselves from the king because we didn't know him or his love for us. Fourth, we must receive the king's kindness and humility. Five, the king returns to us more than we lost when we hid from him. Six, we can eat at the king's table. Seven, we have access to a relationship with him. The author goes on, he says, He does not immediately take away our weaknesses and lameness, but he gives us a favor and a standing that overcomes its sting 
and changes the way we think about ourselves. No matter who we are, what we have done, the King loves us unconditionally. This story at a first look just looks like a story, but it holds much more than that. This situation is like ours and God's and shows the relationship we have with Him. We are weak and broken, and yet God has a place for us at His table, regardless of our flaws and shortcomings. He loves us so much, and He wants us to get to know Him. Go back to Samuel, 2 Samuel 9, and read the story again with a fresh pair of eyes and see how David's kindness is a reflection of God to us. It's a beautiful image to read and realize that God is coming to us and inviting us to eat at His table. Accept it and get to know how great it is. Today, He knows you. And in your brokenness, the issues that are before you, He loves you. He loves you. Just as you are. If you've never come to Him, He loves you just as you are. And He wants you to come to Him and eat at His table. Behold, if anyone would come to me and open the door, I will come in and I'll fellowship with him and I'll eat with him. Revelation chapter 3.20. If you don't know Jesus today, man, this is the great time to come to know Jesus. To admit to God that you're a sinner. To believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and he died on the cross for you. And then confess your faith in him. Choose him. Invite him to be a part of your life. If you've never done that, do it now. Invite him to be a part of your life. If you know him, just like Mephibosheth got to eat at David's table for the rest of his life, you've been invited to the Lord's table, and you get to eat there for the rest of your life. Fellowship and love and grace and extension, and this is just a picture of that, a small picture of someday what we'll experience. We remember what he's done for us. We Proclaim his death until he comes, 1 Corinthians chapter 11 says. That he gave his body for us. Everything he could, the, the, the sacrifice for us that he gave. And we are so, so grateful. Lord, thank you for sending Jesus. And Jesus, thank you for being willing to come and to die on the cross for our sins. To be the mediator sinful man, myself, and a holy God. You took my sin upon your body, on the tree, so that I could have a relationship with you. I could eat at your table and have fellowship with you. What a blessing that is. Do this in remembrance of what he's done. set on. 
to care even for the caregivers. Because we know that task is very difficult. Thank you, Jesus. Touch Todd to take us to that third verse with bless the Lord, O my soul. Because it talks about life. When my strength is failing and the end draws near, we're in those hills. No matter how old you are, strength is failing. Let's sing that and let's give blessing to him. Let's remind you.